Welcome to Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with candid conversations about cyber and tech-related issues with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to a seriously quick introduction um, of Cyber Synapse. Um, it's an ad hoc uh, episode. Uh, I'm, I've not had the same quality done on this episode, but right now, this is just to introduce sex, relationships, pornography use during COVID. Um, we're three and a half weeks in now, and this is just what might be happening in uh, households. And this is the this is possibly one of the issues that we might be facing as we go forward um as always take care everybody uh, i wish you well S- enjoy the episode uh, morning lisa um so we're talking we're talking this morning um as an ad hoc uh, video to go on uh, my youtube channel um around covid and one of the conversations that we've had on the podcast previously so um if I just give people a little bit of background about who you are, um, you are a psychosexual therapist that has been on the podcast before. And just to let people know why this topic is going to be uh, really important, that podcast is one of the most downloaded ones out of the entire three seasons. Um, on the audio section, so not really on YouTube, which um, brings us to the conversation that we'll get into today. Yeah. And as I've said a number of times, because there's no history, realistically, to anything that you listen to on, on iTunes and podcasts and places like that, one of the things that I think happens is basically people put the little um, uh, earphones in and away they go. They can listen to any conversation. Whereas if you're watching YouTube, there's this real history of it. So, you know, that's coming from my knowledge about how people yeah, yeah. behave in Guess cyberspace. <laughs> so I think what would be really interesting is after we've done this conversation is monitoring those those scores as well anyway scores yeah. you know what I mean I know what you mean right. yeah so okay where do we start where do we start today pornography um what's happening in the current crisis in terms of um right now with covid and I have to be very careful because um youtube are also limiting uh, videos that are um related to covid as well so I'll have to think about how how I title this as well after we've finished talking. So you obviously work as a psychosexual therapist and I do a lot of the research around young people's use and we've we've got a few things to get into the conversation today. So where, yeah. where do you want to start? Well, I, I was wanting to have this conversation because I think it's an important conversation to have around um, sex. Obviously, this, this isn't my area of expertise as a psychosexual therapist, it's the, the psychology of sex. And there will be some changes in the way that um, people are um, having sex, receiving sex, how they're feeling about sex, what's happening to them sexually. Because as you said, right now, um, we're, we're under threat and physiologically, we're going to respond to that threat in a particular way. And one of the manifestations of that is, is sex. And one of the things that I was also thinking about is how our sexual behaviour, while this is going on, has got the, the huge capacity to change because the whole world has shifted more online mm-hmm. so that was the, the conversation about porn as well and I think there's a really important conversation to have around um, porn and, and just what it is that people are accessing how they're accessing it 
the potential risks that they're putting themselves into because of um, of going online and, and maybe more often, maybe more regularly, maybe because of the isolation and because we're all in lockdown as well. The need to numb, to distract, and then where does that uh, take us to? So the world looks very, very different to what it did two or three weeks ago, and how are we managing that? And that that was really the conversation that I was. Um, quite an ad hoc conversation really between you and I um, because we both look at the same thing but from different perspectives and I think it's just a useful conversation to have really about um, what's going on <clears throat> for us right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually labelled this right at the beginning just then with, with the title about pornography and actually we're talking about sex as well um, and I'm thinking about that's how people regulate themselves yeah. so quite often um, and I don't want to go too much into uh, like transactional analysis or, or human behavior here, but there is a pattern of when people are feeling out of sorts, dysregulated, that actually one of the things they will do is, is have sex to have that um, uh, uh, energy discharge. But also there's, there's something about in a heightened state of um, distress, it also has the opposite impact where sex doesn't happen. So I think what we, what I want to kind of make very clear is actually this is about sexual activity sexual practices pornography use and again it's it's relating to fight flight and where we are isn't it it is absolutely and for me i think it, it, we can't necessarily separate separate those things out anyway because you're right people are going to res be responding in quite individual ways depending on really what's going on for them what their history has been and <clears throat> one of the things that's quite interesting for me is um the number of um contacts i've had since this has happened with men saying that um, they are having problems with erections that they've never had before. Yeah. And obviously that's all part of their um, fight, fight, well, and literally flop responses. And also um, a decreased interest in sex as well, which people haven't necessarily been expecting. And I think for me, what I see is, obviously because we're under threat right now, we're in a very, very vulnerable position and having sex in a, and a state of vulnerability often doesn't feel like a particularly good idea. Mm. So because we still need connection, because we're all in isolation, so the need for connection is going to be greater, what people tend to be doing right now is going online for that. So they're, they're getting the connection, but they're not necessarily getting it with the vulnerability. But actually, potentially yeah. they are making themselves vulnerable, which is where your stuff comes in about, you know, cybersecurity and what happens online and all the risks that they're taking there that maybe they hadn't considered before well actually i was thinking in terms of um physiological arousal there is also something about when when there's a tiger on you behind you a the two things that the human body does are a uh, they will hold on to um pregnancies uh, because you can't you can't really go you know overwhelmed with oxytocin and laid in a cave when you're, you're having a baby because it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen and the other thing is is you're gonna need to run and yeah. when you're running there's there's a couple of things that happen and and let's just say people will often void their bowels etc etc sex is the last thing that people in that physiological arousal state will want to be doing and i quite liked actually how you took the the bagel theory then and talked about that fight flight freeze and the flop yeah so the the total withdrawal and um uh, shutdown is, yeah. is that total physiology isn't it and and um and I'm just thinking about, do, do we want to talk a little bit about that physiology, the vagus nerve and how it's connected? Um, so we, we have inferior, superior to the, the diaphragm and everything below the diaphragm is connected by this dorsal vagal. So it's, it's, um, 
which goes to, you know, which does go to the extremities, the genitals and, and testes and so on. So what, what have you noticed in terms of um, that, let's call it the panic behind the I can't get an erection? I think what, and, and um, correct me if I've got this wrong, Kath, but my understanding is, is um, if this sort of, how I've understood it for me personally, because I do find it slightly complicated, is if we've got three states. So right now, we are in the social engagement state, you and I, you know, we're, we're sitting chatting, we're quite comfortable, we're quite safe, mm -hmm. eye contact, all of that kind of stuff. What happens is when we um, move into um, a state of threat and being anxious and, and being um, worried, what happens for people sexually is they start thinking about, oh my God, what's going to happen? Am I going to get an erection? Am I going to be able to do this? Is, is it going to be painful? All of those things. So we kind of move up into another layer of that um, sort of fight, flight, and like you said, in that place, the last thing you need is a hard-on. Let's <laughs> say that two strikers kind of come in behind you. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is, is we eventually reach a, a point where um, the body just goes into that shutdown place and nothing is, is going to happen sexually at all. And that's the point where someone's going to lose their erection. And I'm just using um, erection because it's such a... It's quite a useful um, visual with that because we literally play dead. We, we literally just shut down and nothing <laughs> is going to happen. But the same thing kind of happens with our interest in sex as well, is that that's really been affected. For some people, not for everybody, but for some people, um, yeah. it will completely lose that interest. And it's kind of it's all a part of the same process. But ultimately, your body is trying to protect you right now because it doesn't want you to be vulnerable. It wants you to be prepared or it wants you to play dead. It wants you to keep safe. And I think that's the thing is once we start to realize that actually our body's trying to help us rather than act against us, mm. that can actually make a really big difference to what is going on right now. Because the likelihood is, is that if you haven't had any problems before, it will be temporary. Or um, if it's not, it won't take much of a, a tweak to kind of get you back to where you were. But really the psychoeducation which was the thing I was hoping was going to come out of this morning, which obviously it is. I think it's really useful just to understand what on earth is going on. And it's actually it's really normal. We're supposed to be responding like this. Yeah. So for those, for those who are interested, um, I have on, on um, YouTube the, the motorway of wellness. So yeah. in, in terms of the coloured the coloured lanes that I have on that, um, sex and um you know where, where we would move into sex is usually that first level of um sympathetic nervous arousal because there has to be blood flowing for the the erection to happen but it's the and i don't want to use the term overshoot but if you if you overshoot i know it's, it's so ironic what i need to pick another word now but if you are to to move physiologically past the play state you you will end up in that fight flight which is about protection and, and running away and I'm, I'm thinking about actually if you think about those lanes in the way that they're they're um, separated rather than let's go love making which might be about social engagement and sympathetic arousal in the early stage that's more tender it's it can be a lot longer and I'm suspecting that what might be happening is as physiological arousal is increased what i suspect will be happening is the sex will be a bit like um having a quickie it will be slightly more aggressive it will be a lot yeah. it's going to change in its its um tenderness it's going yeah, to change in in its capacity to be with that other person in that slightly lower arousal state yeah. 
Um, and obviously then when you get far too far in terms of up into that red zone, which is like the hot, the, the fight flight, that's where you can either have tonic immobility and get stuck there, or you suddenly come crashing down and you end up in the, the other uh, zones, which is, which is how I think people are, are experiencing this at the moment. So there's going to be a lot about confusion about this isn't how we normally have sex. Um, she normally, he normally, they normally, whatever kind of pronoun we're, um, we're putting in terms of how that sex might be happening, that actually that's going to be really confusing to people about this isn't the normal way that we do it. This isn't the normal way that it happens. And what happened to, do, 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 so I suspect that foreplay will be potentially out of the window and it will be. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the thing about foreplay is that because you're absolutely right, things are likely to be happening quicker because the more we're in that state of um, sexual experience, the more vulnerable we are. Mm. So the body is literally wanting to get over or get out of that vulnerable state as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously the only way that you the only way that you can do that is to um get it over and done with. If that's exactly. if that's a um it's not a very nice way to say it. <laughs> the terminology here is really kind of I'm just thinking you can't have this conversation without it being any other way. And, and do you know what? And here, here's the thing about this, this social engagement state. We, we are in that place where there's a little bit of humour because actually this is, this is what it is to be human, to be confused, to have these different um, states and, and movements between, between them. Um, yeah, so vulnerability. This is where we're talking about, um, we're talking about real, real moments of human connection and in order to do that, you need those neurotransmitters, you need those um, neurochemicals, you need, you need the non-stress hormones. And, and right now, they're in competition with the cortisol, with the norepinephrine, yeah. with, with the adrenal system. Absolutely. Um, so, again, that then takes us into that place where... Um, it, and it is, it's about vulnerability. So, so what about if we talk about what happens for people that are essentially struggling with the the vulnerable sex in uh, the corporeal world the real world and then what they're doing to move online and, and this will include women as well so quite often i know i know when we do talk about pornography use etc etc it does tend to be looked at by men and there's a lot of people that you and i know especially on twitter that, that will say it's it's a male issue yeah. and actually no it isn't this is yeah. something that i'm seeing increasing in, in young girls um which you know will come to that section in just a minute um so what would you what would you say is happening in terms of the visitations to Pornhub and, uh, and other platforms because they do exist they do yes they, they do indeed the will well they have seen if you if you look at um because Pornhub's very very um friendly to you and I researchers because they will give us stats Mm -hmm. And there has been a huge increase, which is really what I would be expecting for various reasons. So it's exactly what you just said there, Kath, you know, because of vulnerability, but still that desire of connection. One of the things that porn does give is that illusion of connection, even if just for a very, very short space of time. Yeah. Because we're not necessarily in a safe place. And that's when that real intimacy has, can happen is when we are feeling safe. We're going to move into a place where so we're, we're not vulnerable. Um, where we can do something I and mean, it's even just a really practical thing isn't it about the fact that we can't really go anywhere we can't do anything mm -hmm. so even just from a, a perspective of boredom is we need to be occupied we, we want to um 
numb and dissociate a wee bit because we are feeling that that um, we're, we're all in that place of not necessarily being able to concentrate. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it certainly happened to me, not necessarily being able to concentrate on the things that I really do need to be concentrating on right now. Um, so there's lots of different motivations, I think, for people to move to online um, to get that, that stimulation or to, yeah. to do whichever, whichever mm. someone's looking for, I suppose. Well, yes, yeah. So actually, I did um, a presentation the other day where I was talking about that the the dissociative state is is also well, it's preceded by boredom. So uh, going down, if you like, going down the lanes towards um, complete withdrawal and shutdown, you have this this uh, intimacy stage, which is being still. It's the rest and digest phase. But what happens in that particular place is people will become curious i mean it's it's the seat of mm. creativity is boredom so there's something about people will will kind of move into a mm, i wonder so they start googling and they go off on a bit of a tangent and you can find themselves i don't know they might end up on tiktok they might end up on um youtube and given the videos that exist on these platforms i'm just going to go with um for those of you who haven't visited tiktok it's a bizarre mishmash um it, what do i even want to say here anyway it's a platform where if anybody stunk it it's on there in terms of you know just the bizarre things that appear um at smuggers board of weirdness might be a good idea that that might be a good way to describe <laughs> it but there's there's this um uh, there, there are a lot of young women and young males um half dressed quarter dressed maybe maybe not even dressed um i'm aware that it's a platform where um child sexual abuse images do appear um, as do all platforms but if you are bored and you find yourselves on one of these platforms okay. and you begin to see um something that's that's psychologically sexually and physically arousing it won't be long before the brain goes well actually i could watch something very similar by typing in da, 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 and, and away you go in terms yeah. of the tangent Yes. So people may find themselves, if you like, floating around the ether, typing in things, curiosity getting the better of them, boredom getting in the way. And then it's that, you know, finding yourselves on a platform where some of this material exists. And one of the things both you and I know is when you land on one of these websites, it's not very long before you can find yourself on material that is really unsuitable. Um, and bearing in mind this that, that you know at the end of the day pornography is a business it's there to keep you there and the way that people do that is by creating these um, moments of increased um, curiosity um, and when you reach satiation and and what somebody called that Jamie Wheel actually calls success also known as an orgasm um, that what what you will do is then you will look for something similar the next time and the next time and the next time and there are lots of theories about whether this is a dopamine related um, issue whether it's a psychological issue whether it's about actually I'm bored so what I need is something that's much more stimulating and this is where I think young people will find themselves on these websites well we already know that young people will find themselves on these websites and right now there's also not the the vigilant parenting because parents are trying to school uh, uh, school their children they're also using the internet as a distraction while they need to get on with their business and that then means that there's much more of a proclivity for young people to be on these websites so yeah it's it's all yeah. about boredom curiosity yeah. 
um, numbing out, staying in that dissociated state because actually it's easier to watch pornography than it is to deal with what's going on in the, the real world right now. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. and it's, it's interesting isn't it what you're saying there about obviously the porn industry is a business, it's a huge mm -hmm. business mm -hmm. and um, Pornhub putting stuff out there for free is, is interesting and concerning yeah. and lots of consequences um, from that and it's, it's going to be interesting actually because I think we're in the thick of it and really right now we're just at the beginning of it what the fallout of this is going to be mm -hmm. yeah and we'll so yeah I think you and I pretty much have the same approach as far as I'm aware on the word addiction however right now i think there is something about this is this is a potential new issue this is the new void that people are trying to fill so yeah. if we if we look at gabor mate's version of addiction and it's the need to fulfill something that's missing and then you can't let's it's it's almost like give it up that actually i wonder what will happen in terms of the number of customers that that these websites will gain yeah. particularly over the next three three months or so yeah, I think so. And I think right now, you know, we're all trying to manage the best way that we can. And if people are using porn to um, to do that, then that then sets a, a precedent going forward that, oh, something painful is happening, something difficult is happening. This is where I'm going to go to. And I think perhaps we haven't, yes, this has been happening previous to this, but perhaps not on the same scale to what we've, well, we've never seen this before. We've never seen anything on, on this scale, not of our generation at least. Mm. And even people who have been in um, very, very difficult situations, I don't think we've necessarily had the online world the way that we do now. And be able to access things that we've not been able to access before. And just the, the ability to, um, yeah, just the, the accessibility is, is really quite, quite yeah. different. Mm. There is something here about the hashtag told you so. Um, I, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I am going to stay away from that for the moment, but this was something that, um, and I'm just thinking right now, the online harms white bill um, was, was supposed to be being put in place and um, also the age identification bill that became suddenly part of the online harms white bill. That has not been implemented and, you know, previous to where we were, there was a, a, a high probability of young people accessing this kind of material i think it's an almost certainty now there's there's a huge difference between we had and we do have a law we do we have this we have this bill which is supposed to be being put in i thought it was going to be delayed till 2021 i don't actually know what's happening around that at the moment so i am keeping my ears to the ground in terms of what's going on there um but also one of the other things just to, to, and I did say I would kind of get this in on the, the conversation, is whilst young people are visiting these websites, this is also where those perpetrators of child uh, sexual abuse also frequent. And the material on there at the moment is generally 18 plus and it's generally adults. Um, I suspect that that may change because I was reading an article within the last 24 hours about the National Crime Agency knowing that there are 300,000 known, and let's just make this really clear, that's known perpetrators of child sexual abuse, um, that they're, they're already in discussions about how they can exploit the situation and how they can 
you know find young people on the internet and what that will actually mean in terms of those those children um and and their you know the impacts on them but also this is about those children that are playing on computer games and you know having worked with a lot of children who who find themselves on these websites the general path to this particular issue is they might be playing on let's go with a really popular game at the minute fortnite and somebody sends a message or says something on that game which creates that that spark of curiosity in a young person and they then move online to go and google what that word actually meant or what that phrase was or what it was that their friend understood and you know we're moving into a place where messenger is on about encryption and, and keeping it end to end and that that way nobody would be able to track what's being sent there's currently and i would suggest that people can go and read the um, article that i did on discord um, there's a lot of this stuff being sent by discord and that's that's worrying me because most parents at the minute might be being guided in terms of don't don't allow your children onto Pornhub by going to the website well actually they don't need to if it's sent as a file transfer in a, a platform such as discord and that then leads us down you know where will this go where will we end up i mean nobody knows these answers at no. the minute um no, no, no. what i what i do predict is that you're going to see many more clients in terms of psychosexual issues um, in the adult world. I'm now going to see more children who have cyber traumas, who have been sexually yeah. exploited or abused online. I'm going to see much, much more about children um, visiting these websites. And also, just on the back of pornography, children will find themselves looking at other stuff. And the other stuff will also point them to, to um, Pornhub and pornography sites. Yeah. So it's, it's a complete circle of cyber trauma and huge issues. So what, what would be, yeah, just take a stab at this. It might be based in, in terms of your practice, but what would be your prediction about what, what it is you think, you know, therapy will be dealing with? What do you think will be happening in terms of relationships? What's, what's your prediction? My prediction is that I'm going to see a lot more people, I see a lot of people anyway, but I'm going to see a lot more people with um, pornography issues as, as they see them. Um, I'm also, I, I predict I'm going to see a lot more people with um, erectile problems, um, which I tend to not so much these days because it's so easy just to get a pill. So actually in the sex therapy world, we've seen a massive um, reduction in the amount of presentations that we see for erectile difficulties, but I think that will change. Um, one of the, the really interesting things is actually, from my perspective, and I haven't seen it in, I haven't seen it in the opposite way. When it comes to relationships, people are reporting to me that their relationships are improving. And I think it's perhaps that, that mentality of like, okay, we just need to bunker down here, we just need to get this sorted out, we just need to, to get on with this. And actually, they are, which is has been very interesting to observe that from you know just to say it in the last two or three weeks that people yeah. with relationship difficulties have said actually we've been really good um where that goes for me with regards to future um therapy i'm not i'm not entirely sure uh -huh. but i also predict that in more of the long term the clients that you're um talking about with the young people they are going to be market clients which is terrible really but that, that's what I predict so but that you know the, the short term stuff I'm going to be seeing but then there's the longer term impact 
well yeah i mean i'm just thinking that this this course that we have on um talking about sex and pornography and in, in the therapy room is going to be yeah. it's, it's going to be mandatory now really um yeah. you know and and it was before but I d it was one of those i don't think people knew how important it might have been beforehand but actually i think it's going to be definitely a conversation going forward about you know how how do i talk to a young person about this and you know for for me this is this is my world i talk about the online world all of the time um it's my background it's my research area so for me as a, a therapist with young people it's it's really not an uncomfortable conversation i mean you know here we are talking about you know sex and pornography and this is this is our daily bread if you like we we do this all the time so i'm i'm also thinking lisa in terms of relationships where actually intimacy has been an issue but may not be right now because people are confined mm -hmm. but what that will do over the you know the longer time that people are in you know before they get cabin fever but actually what that will do in terms of those relationships um so in couples counseling there's a lot about um types of relationships and there's one particular um type that i'm, I'm considering here um and it's often called the cat and dog yeah. so this is this is the fact that they get on together that then they don't that then they do so i think esther perel talks about this quite a lot that actually it's that fight phase and and you know the the make the making up sex tends to be how the, they regulate themselves so there's a lot of passion in um making up but there's also a lot of passion in terms of um violence aggression um so i i'm kind of concerned about those those couples Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's not necessarily something I, I do see that um, in practice, but I don't necessarily see much in the way of um, domestic violence or, or that level of aggression within a, a relationship. But yes, that massively concerns <coughs> about mm. what the fallout of this is. And I think it's it's actually in many respects it is quite hard to predict because we've never been in this situation before. We're all just here you know, watching and observing what is to the best of our ability what is happening and, and then what is the potential of, of this because you're right that cabin fever is going to kick in but we're very it's very early days where we are right now and what that is going to look like when that happens who knows but i suppose we've we do have a degree of knowledge because of those um relationship styles that you were talking about but ultimately i'm not entirely sure whether we do know because we'll not have been in that situation where it's going to last for this length of time be this vulnerable and fundamentally change our lives completely because i think that's one of the biggest things is that for everybody life has changed mm. even just yeah. doing relatively normal like trying to, to to do the shopping has changed you know and that degree of stress that we're now feeling because of something that we probably consider to be quite mundane suddenly is a it's a big expedition <laughs> it's, it's actually really really difficult absolutely i'm just thinking about those oh do we have to go shopping is now oh oh my god <laughs> it's a completely different yeah. different reaction isn't it yeah. yeah okay um so i think we're keeping this fairly short because i'm just thinking about yeah. what what else what else would we you know what else would we talk about what else would you like to put in here um because this is this is right at the beginning it is right at the beginning and i think the only thing i, I would really like to say for those adults who are maybe watching this and, and have felt a difference in their sexual behavior, sexual attitude, whether they want to have sex or they don't want to have sex, what's, what's different. 
is that whatever it is that you are feeling is normal. So we're mm. responding in pretty much exactly the way that we're supposed to be responding. Yeah. And I think that if we take that on board, to, in many respects, that helps to reduce the panic. Um, yes. So um, recently I did a uh, health summit talk where uh, I was asked, you know, what, what message do you want to convey? And I actually put at the, the end of it, it's okay not to be okay. And it, though it is cliche, we are all in a place where we have the not knowns and the knowns and you know being a human we like certainty so this is this is to say there isn't any certainty so you know it's not about get your head around it and pull your bootstraps up and get on with it it's, no it's it's okay that we don't have the answers it's okay that we are where we are and we're learning as we go along but also there are steps that we can take to notice and, and for me it's always about pay attention to what's going on internally pay attention to what you're doing pay attention to when you're doing things because that's the stuff that you're going to need after after this like like you said when you find yourself stressed is your go-to place i'm going to reach for a glass of wine i'm going to get a box of cigarettes i'm going to go to Pornhub. i'm going to do 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 because actually it's those stress responses that really have an impact going forward and i don't want to get too much into it now but epigenetically we are um we're having a big issue at the moment in terms of what's happening to our biology and how people are managing that and then what that will what impact that will have going forward as well yeah absolutely yeah i I couldn't agree more really and i think there's also something about it's difficult isn't it when we're in this situation but actually recognizing maybe where we can get our safety from Mm, mm. we're generally not feeling very safe and i think there's there's something about um you know, we were talking about that saber-toothed tiger because I think it's such a, a brilliant analogy. We, we are safer when we can see the saber-toothed tiger, when we know where it is. But actually right now, our threat, we can't see it. We don't know yeah. where it is. Yeah. And, and this, is what I'm, yeah, this is what I was saying the other week. I think um, it's one of those things. We have a common enemy, but none of us know where the enemy is. Yes. Absolutely. And, and that's the bit. That's, that's the unknown, isn't it? Is, yeah. Will, will it happen to me? When will it happen to me? Why is this happening to me? And we've got all of these questions. And as human beings, we don't do great when that's our, when that's our state of play. Yeah. So, you and know, yeah. physiologically. I, I think I just, I just wanted to want to say one more thing on that. One of the things that I've noticed recently is there's been a lot of stuff flying around about being very mindful and being very present and all that kind of stuff, meditation. Go on, Kath. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. I am. In fact, I know. I know that it, um, I didn't do this on the the um, the speech. I gave the speech, the presentation I did the other day. There is so much shite on social media at the minute about use this time to grow and be aware. As, right. Okay. Growth comes when you are in a space and place of safety. You cannot possibly grow when there's a tiger behind you and you're giving it what for you know pacing it down the road um yeah great be aware that there's a tiger on you and you're doing your best to survive but there's also something about this is not a stop take time i know that meditation works and i'm not i'm not slating meditation whatsoever here because um i use it it's a massive go-to tool but this is not something that we've been granted to take time in this is um, a situation of this is going to save your life. It's a very, very different space and place. There is also something about actually, we, we're all doing the best that we can. And I'm aware that you're sharing this stuff to try and help yourself feel better. 
but pay attention to why you're sharing it. Pay attention to the fact that what you are doing is sharing stuff that makes you feel better because if you have this narrative that says, oh, I'm, I'm here and I can take this space to grow, Actually, I think this is a space of everybody being bloody terrified. Yeah. That's the bit that hasn't been acknowledged. Yeah, and and for me, that's, that's why I I'm agree. finding it so difficult. Yeah, and that was the thing that I was wanting to bring up, because I'm, I'm the same, you know, I, I use <coughs> a lot. Um, you, you know, I, I think it's a brilliant practice. But right now, that's not what our bodies are wanting us to do. No. And there's a... Um, Gabriel Matley talks about this, about people who have um, previously experienced trauma, when they move into, and we're all in a, in a pretty um, significant trauma response right now, I'd say, when we meditate, actually what we're doing is we are moving ourselves into further isolation because we're literally on our own. And that's not what we want to do right now. Mm. So that can be a really difficult space for people. So I understand, you know, the best intentions of what people are trying to do, but just, you know, if you can do it, great, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah, to, to kind of further go with that, I saw a, a webinar with Bessel van der Kolk the other day and, and one of the things he said was pay attention to your body, you know, maybe do some yoga. And I'm aware that he's a massive advocate of yoga, but do you know what? It don't work for everybody. And right now, if I'm trying to lay down and, and say, for example, I'm doing um, a pose where, um, so I do do, I do, do yoga. Um, I'm not an avid practitioner of it. Um, one of my friends is a yoga teacher. And if I'm, if I'm doing the bridge, which is you lay down on your back and you lift your hips up, if I've got trauma in my background that's related to any kind of sexual abuse or, you know, what's going to happen for me and my body in that moment is I'm going to go, yeah, stop doing this. Yeah. If I try to meditate and my brain is going, oh my God, I've only got three sausages left in the freezer and yeah. I don't know, and, and two chicken breasts. What am I supposed to do? And that's really apt, isn't it? I've just chosen sausage and chicken breasts for this talk. <laughs> anyway, so if I'm, if I'm thinking, but there's no, you know, there's no um, fresh fruit and veg, I haven't got any milk, da, 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 da. I'm not going to be sitting, focusing on my breath. I'm going to be panicking. Or as you've just said, if I'm able to meditate and I can go and meditate, I don't know, for five hours and not think about anything, maybe I'm not really meditating. Maybe I've disconnected and, and I've gone dissociative. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I, I think it's just important to acknowledge that really we're just all doing the best we can in a really, really shit situation. And that's about as much as we can hope for right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What a wonderful way to finish finished the conversation <laughs> yeah it's all shit <laughs> right well thank you lisa um again i will put your your details for you know because there might be people who want to reach out and, and have conversations with you yeah. as a psychosexual therapist um i think i'm probably beginning to get my opinions across on social media quite quite well now <laughs> in terms of i'm i'm actually staying off social media because it's um it's not good for my health. It's it really is not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good for my health whatsoever. Right, thank you very much. You're welcome, Kat. This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer. <laughs>